Welcome to the Twinkle Trainee Teachers and ECTs podcast. My name's Simeon, I was a teacher for eight years and the absolute highlight of my career for me was getting to work with trainee teachers and helping them begin their career on the right foot. And hello, my name is Ashley. I was also a former primary school teacher working predominantly in Key Stage 2 in Year 4 and Year 5. And I now work in the Twinkle Trainee and ECT team here. And I just want to help you go into those classrooms feeling confident and ready for your teaching journey ahead. Today we have a special interview with our guest Sam Kendall. She's the Head of Learning at the Eden Project who are running a weekend training programme with ECTs which I really like the sound of so I'm very excited to talk to Sam and learn more about that. But just before we get into the interview, as always, we want to share with you our social media accounts. And if you want to get in contact with us about this podcast or any of our previous or future podcasts, please, please do. We'd love to hear from you. So you can find us on Facebook, Twinkle Training Teachers and the Twinkle ECTs and NQTs page. You can find our two community groups on Facebook at Twinkle Training Teachers Group and Twinkle ECT and NQT Support Group. You can find us on Instagram at Twinkle Training Teachers on TikTok at Twinkle Training Teachers and on Twitter at Trainee Twinkle. And this podcast will be going out onto all of your favourite streaming devices such as Spotify and Apple Music. Thank you, Ashley. I would like to reiterate, if you'd ever like to be on the show and you're listening, please do get in touch with us because we love having real trainees and ECTs on the show. Uh, So I'd like to welcome Sam Kendall to our show. Hi, Sam. Um, Could you tell us a bit about you? Uh, Thanks, Simeon and Ashley. Um, It's lovely to be here. Um, So yeah, it's true. My name is Sam and I am head of the Eden Project's learning for schools, so I've got a specific schools focus, um, based at the Eden Project in Cornwall, um, where I have been working for a very long time. So it was our annual Big Eden get-together last week, and I got called up on stage to get my 20-year badge. Wow, congratulations. I don't know. I'm not sure. In fact, it is. <laughs> it is a cause for congratulations. So yeah, but prior to that, I worked in schools, in primary schools. Uh, I'm primary qualified, um, had a science specialism, and I worked in schools in Bristol and in Cornwall before switching over to, um, well, I started as a volunteer at the Eden Project uh, right back at the beginning. So I, I wasn't quite here when Eden Project Cornwall started. Um, but I've been here for most of it and I turned up and I just kept turning up until they started paying me basically was was my brilliant career plan um and then since 2010 I've had that kind of head of schools role looking after all of Eden Project's um work with children and young people and teachers and schools so for those of you who who aren't familiar with the Eden Project um it's a big uh, visitor attraction and environmental education project. The first Eden project, we might get to talk about that a bit more, uh, is here in Cornwall in a disused China clay quarry. So it's a real symbol and story of transformation and regeneration and sustainability. And that really kind of sets the theme for what we do in terms of the learning programs and education offer that we run 
out of here um, for schools and for children and young people. And that's that's what I found so exciting, Sam, because I've been to the Eden Project and I loved it. And I knew they did work with children in schools, but I did not know they were working with teachers as well. Yeah, we so um, Eden's narratives, our mission is all about reconnecting people with each other and with nature so that we can all do a better job than we currently are of uh, looking after this amazing planet that we're living on. And education obviously plays an absolutely key role in that. So we've been running programs for schools since we opened. Um, and we've got two kind of particular strands in that big environmental education, sustainability, climate change narrative where we do lots of work and we've got a lot of expertise around um, curriculum linked learning outside the classroom and outdoor learning and so we've run um, courses for teachers uh, on that for years and years and years uh, in person um, and in schools as well in person here at Eden um, and then uh, during the pandemic like lots of people we noticed that there's this this cool thing called the internet and you can run training over that so um, so we started to run some online courses for teachers focused on um, really taking leadership for sustainability and for learning outdoors in your school. And uh, most recently, we've had this really amazing opportunity to work with a group of ECTs uh, on our first ECT weekender. Yeah, and I was looking, I've seen your YouTube video about the uh, ECT weekender and it just looks so fun firstly idyllic just surrounded by nature and and the interviews that you sort of had with with the ECTs on the, the video they just all look so inspired so I was just wondering if you could explain what that weekend program actually entails absolutely so we were incredibly lucky to develop the idea with a multi-academy trust called the learning in harmony trust and we actually started a conversation with them 18 months or more ago, and they were particularly um, engaged with the idea of their kind of pandemic generation ECTs who, and all of those missed opportunities, um, you know, people doing their teach training without going into schools and all of that crazy stuff. Um, and so they approached us about developing a weekend which would be a rich mix of um, unashamed well-being and looking after themselves and celebrating the amazing journey that they've been on, but also really bonding as a group because they hadn't had all of those opportunities because they've been, you know, stuck on the end of a team's call. Then I, we, I run the program partnership with a colleague called Alex Bell, who's a school leadership coach. He's an ex-head teacher. So there was a really big focus on um, a kind of coaching-led approach, and he was right into the kind of why of teaching. Why do they do what they do? And what we feel like is that the, um, the, the early career framework does a really good job of hosting um, curating ECTs through this journey of what to teach and how to teach but that there is something pretty golden in really connecting people with why they do this amazing career and we didn't set out to say okay this is a early career teacher retention program 
but actually we really want to explore that idea that if people are really able to connect with and reconnect with their why and keep going back to that when times get tough as they will that's maybe something that will keep you doing this amazing job for for a long time and then the other bit so the other strand so there's the the kind of well-being strand the coaching and that connection to why and then we also talk a lot about um Eden's why which for us is about those big stories about how we are or currently aren't taking care of our planet and what teachers can do within their existing role to really address some of those big issues as well. So it wasn't a kind of now you must all go and be outdoor learning practitioners and nature-based education practitioners and then we'd love it if you did but actually this is you know what gets us out of bed in the morning basically this is what really really motivates us. Yeah, and in all seriousness, teachers have a massive role to play in the future of the planet because one of the best ways to get more people caring about the planet and the environment is through education, as I'm sure you're very well aware. Um, would, you, would you mind if I just asked you, you touched on teacher retention. Obviously, that's a problem at the moment, especially for ECTs. Do you think there are any particular reasons for that or do you think it's more kind of a cluster of factors? Yeah, I mean, I, I think if you if you read the the kind of research on it, then there isn't a single um, a single story. You know, there is one sort of narrative that says, okay, this is about behaviour and workload and pay. So there's another really interesting bit of research which perhaps chimes with the work that we offer a bit more which says that one of the reasons that teachers are, are leaving the profession is that they went into the profession motivated to make a difference. And what they're finding is actually the experiences that they're having don't align with those really kind of good and wholesome and excellent motivations. So I guess that's where kind of in terms of the research, that's where our approach sits is, you know, here's, an opportunity to really reflect on your why and then how might you kind of activate that in your classroom but I mean there's a bigger piece I think for me which is I've I'm delighted to have an opportunity to get on this particular soapbox but I think um, as the public sector has been squeezed over the last 10 to 12 years schools have become the go-to solution for everything you know, they are providers of education. Oh, and also public health, social care, feeding children. You know, the breadth of what is being expected of schools is just, I think it's off the scale at the moment. And ECTs are at the sharp end of that, you know. So no wonder people are finding it tough out there. There we go. I'll step down off my soapbox now we can we can push it aside no it was a good soapbox <laughs> it was a very good soapbox so with you talking about the the weekend projects and you having those three strands and one of them is unashamed well-being and i, I just love that phrase um as i think that a lot of the ects that we come into contact with really struggle to switch off and to sort of take that time for themselves 
So how is that something that you're actively trying to tackle during this pro during this program this weekend to sort of allow the ECTs to take the time for themselves and to concentrate on themselves? Yeah, partly through just by being really, really lovely to them. And, you know, we were were really lucky. It was a beautiful cold winter weekend that they were here and the Eden Project had just opened for our Christmas program and was looking particularly sparkly and gorgeous. So, but, you know, other, other professions do this with their new entries. They lift them up a little bit and give them something lovely and treat them like they're special and important and we're a bit embarrassed about doing it in education because you know it's it must be all about the children no and it's fine that we look after our professionals you know um so partly it was that there was um an amount of time just to reconnect with nature and have those experiences of being here at the Eden Project On the Sunday morning, we got in early before the Eden Project was open and people had a choice of um, doing some yoga in the rainforest biome with me or having a little private tour or doing some artwork and things like that. And, you know, and also we went um, down to the local harbour where there's a really nice pub and really beautiful Christmas lights and we enjoyed having a meal together on the Saturday night as well. So, yeah, definitely unashamed well-being. I love that. I love that phrase. And you're completely right. Other professions do this for new entries and teachers should as well. Uh, You mentioned finding your why earlier. And that's something Ashley and I have talked about before. Ashley's even said you should have it written down somewhere so you can look back on it. Apart from finding your why, which I agree is absolutely key, do you think there are any other things ECT should focus on early in their careers to kind of have a sustainable career? Um, I've been thinking about this and I think there is something for me about, there is something very particular and possibly quite peculiar about teaching as a profession in that it can be incredibly solitary and isolating. Um, And it was something I really noticed when I moved from working in a school setting to doing an education role in an organisation like the Eden Project, um, which is big. You know, there's 400 of us at Eden, and one of the joys of it is that not everybody has the same kind of qualifications and skill set as I do. You know, I work with gardeners, and I work with um, people who amazing chefs, and I work with people who know about IT and digital, and people who know about marketing. And there's a real richness in that for me, which ultimately makes me and my team better educators, I think, because we can draw on that. So the point for the ECTs isn't you all need to go and work for a different organisation that is a school, um, but it's about look at your network, build those professional relationships and look for your allies and you know the people who you're going to be able to link elbows with and keep going and they might not be the people who do exactly the same job as you um so yeah something about that and also looking outside that immediate profession i'll give you um so sometimes when schools come here to visit us at the eden project as they do 
in great numbers, you know, tens of thousands a year. So we meet thousands and thousands of children and hundreds and hundreds of teachers. And sometimes a teacher with a school will say to one of my team, oh, have you thought about becoming a teacher? Um, which is kind of nice. It's kind of a compliment. But actually, we all are. We've all worked in school. And we've probably just taught their class for a couple of hours. But there's something about like they haven't quite noticed because we weren't in a school standing in front of a screen or something like that. So there's something about look for other people's professionalism and draw on it and borrow it and steal steal it because there are loads of amazing teachers and educators out there and they might not be working in a school. So see who you can rob and magpie and steal from whatever context they're working in with children and young people. I think that's, yeah, that's so incredibly important because I think for me, a lot of the people that used to inspire me as a teacher weren't necessarily teachers themselves. It might have been the authors that came in that read a story who were really um, animated with the children and got them so excited. And I remember sitting there thinking, oh, that's that's a great skill to have. I need to sort of speak to them and see what I can do. So I 100% agree with you there. Um, a lot of of what we hear from ECTs when we're asking them what they need support with is mostly down to time management and workload. We know that teachers are incredibly busy. Um, and I know from your vast experience as a teacher as well, um, and obviously in your job that you've got at the moment, you're going to be balancing a lot of different tasks and different workloads. I was just wondering if you've got any advice on what you do to sort of help manage your workload, whether it was when you were a teacher or now, um, that anyone can take some tips from. Well, I think you should definitely take anything I say about managing your workload as a classroom teacher with a massive pinch of salt because it's been far too long since that was my job. So, yeah, I, I would I would be nervous about offering any thoughts or advice on that. I think it's that kind of oxygen mask theory thing, isn't it? You know, that actually you have to a degree decide what your boundaries are and put some markers around them because work is always hungry for more from you. And particularly when you work in a setting like a school, a, you know, a job with like moral purpose, there's always going to be the possibility of doing more. Um, but sometimes enough absolutely is enough. So you've got to kind of grab your own oxygen mask and look after yourself and set your own boundaries. Because yeah, work will always want more. Work will always demand more of you. And particularly when there's children and all of the stuff that goes in that school setting around it. So no, I just try and be quite strict, really, of stopping when it's time to stop. But it's difficult, it's really, really difficult. Um, I highly re recommend as well, um, Oliver Berkman's book, 4,000 Weeks, which is a kind of anti-time management, time management book, which is a really brilliant read. And maybe where, where my slightly rebellious attitude to uh, time management comes from. Oh, fantastic. Um, could I switch gears for a minute and ask you about your experiences teaching abroad? Uh, because that's something we get asked about on social media sometimes, and Ashley and I have never had that experience. So I'd love to hear 
a bit about how you found it and whether you'd recommend it to people starting in the profession. Okay, well, I mean, I my experiences teaching abroad both predated me actually becoming a qualified teacher. So um, I had two bonkers opportunities, really. In my gap year, I was... Uh, I lived in Karachi in Pakistan for six months in a convent, quite an unlikely setting, um, teaching in a girls' school and teaching way... So I'd just done my A-levels and I was teaching um, kind of O-level, because it was a long time ago, um, maths and physics when I'd like done my A-levels six weeks before kind of thing. So that was a bit of a crash course and a very you know quite a traditional setup lots of book learning um a delightful crowd of young women who uh, took me a little bit under their wing as well and then i had a really extraordinary opportunity in it was actually when i was at university and in the summer between my second year and third year i volunteered to go and teach on a farm school in South Africa. And it was at a point in the kind of um, drawing to a close of apartheid story where things were beginning to change. Nelson Mandela had been released from prison, but they hadn't yet had elections in South Africa. So it was in this real kind of transitionary point. Um, And I was really, really fortunate to go and work in a farm school. So the the traditionally in the rural parts of South Africa, um, the farmers would take responsibility for providing some form of education for um, the children of their staff. Um, I was at an incredibly enlightened um, school set up by uh, a couple called Maida and Leslie Osler and Claire Barnes-Webb um, in the middle of the South African Karoo, incredibly beautiful, um, teaching primary to kind of 10, 11 year olds, all subjects, and then teaching English as foreign language to the six, seven, eight year olds. So there was a, a switch in the South African curriculum at that point where children would, most children would switch to being taught in English um, in kind of about year five. Um, But for many of them, English might have been their third language after their uh, local language, Afrikaans and English. So it was part of a a broader literacy project as well. And part of my job was also driving the children to school in a pickup. So I kind of drive down these bumpy South African lanes with a huge crowd of children stood up in the back of the pickup. I mean, the health and safety nightmare is just unimaginable, isn't it? But we all live <laughs> to tell the tale. And um, that was probably the experience that made me decide to do this primary teacher thing properly. It was extraordinary. That is amazing. Like, what what a career. Just like, for me, I worked in uh, sort of local primary schools and just to think of like the breadth of just experiences that you've had is just amazing. So would you, would you recommend that ECTs go out and try it or? Always, always <laughs> go and try it. <laughs> Absolutely. You never, 
It never won't be interesting. Is that right? Never won't be interesting. So even if it's not your perfect thing, you know, a career is long. It's really long. Trust me, I've just got my 20 years badge and there's room to do all kinds of different things. And you will only be a better teacher and a more interesting person if you go and try it out in a different context. Yeah, why wouldn't you? Also, a career is long and doesn't just go forward, you know? They go sideways and backwards and in little pirouettes and circles and and that's fine. You know, there's plenty of time to do all of the things. So yeah, I would totally, if an opportunity presents itself to you, then go for it. I had a feeling you might say something like that. <laughs> it's so interesting talking to you. Like, <laughs> What a way to start a career. Um, I feel jealous now. I wish I had done that. Yeah, I mean, let's not, you know, I'm, I'm sure I was a pretty appalling teacher. Let's not imagine that I was, uh, you know, doing anything remarkable. I do remember making a massive Noah's Ark with um, the children in my year five, six class. And we took it outside and we dammed the little stream on the farm and uh, floated our Noah's Ark off down the stream. And I always remember because you were, you know, even... A, a career as long as mine there are children who stick with you and in that class were two boys who had been held back for a number of years because um, that was what happened in the South African system at that point that if you didn't get your matric you stayed back and so when I first walked into the classroom everybody stood up to kind of greet me, including these two giant young men kind of unfolded themselves from this tiny little, you know, these tiny little desks. And they were called Johnny and Jolly Boy. And they are an absolute delight. Um, but yeah, I'll send you the link to the story of that school, which you can maybe include in the notes because it's an incredible project. Oh, yeah, we would love that. Um, and actually, uh, while we've got you here, I think I should ask a little bit more about sustainability. So if teachers are interested in talking about sustainability with their classrooms, I've read quite a lot in the newspapers recently. You know, kids are getting really worried about climate change and things. Uh, have, you, have you got some stuff on the Eden Project website they could look at? So, yeah, we have got some lesson resources and um, some kind of longer term, medium term plans um, on the Eden website. So we've got a couple of medium term plans that we did with our friends at the Harmony Project who are a nature curriculum development project, um, looking at if you wanted to take climate change or the rainforest as a sort of half term topic and how you could weave all of your subjects through that topic in a really, really holistic way. Um, so that's all there free to use. Um, and also we're just massive advocates of outdoor learning as being the fundamental underpinning really to a sustainability focused school, particularly a primary school, but throughout, you know, learners careers. Um, so there is a really growing body of evidence of the fundamental importance of nature connection, that kind of emotional connection with the natural world as being an essential building block of becoming an environmentally concerned and responsible 
young person um, and adult. And that involves, one of the things that involves is the opportunity to spend time in nature, time learning. We sometimes talk about time learning in, about, for, from, and through nature. And it's really, really difficult to do that within the four walls of your classroom. And you don't have to have amazing school grounds. You don't even have to have any green space on your school grounds. Loads and loads of things are possible and you can do it. You are allowed to do it. You're allowed to take your children outside for PE. That means you're also allowed to take them outside for curriculum linked learning across other areas. Sometimes people say to me, well, I haven't done forest school training, so I can't, I can't do outdoor learning. I'm like, no, take your forest school training is brilliant, but take your children outside for English, for maths, for science, for geography, for history, for all of the things, you know, so that is the place that I would absolutely start is how can I build opportunities for nature connection through outdoor learning anywhere and everywhere in my curriculum. That is amazing. And I think there's there are a lot of ECTs and trainees out there that want to do that. And I think it's just that comes down to confidence as well a lot of the time. It's just feeling like you can do that, you can lead that in a in a useful way. It's not just taking them out and having them sit on the playground while you read a book to them. It's 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 getting them involved as well, isn't it? So that'd be great. Is there because I, I just know, listening to this podcast, that there's going to be so many ECTs that are going to be so interested in everything that you do, the programme that we've mentioned, those resources. How can they get in touch with you or to or with others to, to find out more information or to, to try and attend one of those weekend programmes, which I'm very jealous that I can't do anymore. There's not been an ECT. Yeah, me too, me too. <laughs> So we're on Twitter, at Eden Schools Team. That's a good place to start. Um, we've got pretty much everything on our website, which is edenproject.com, and we're slash learn slash schools, and then all of the school stuff, our resources, our training opportunities. We've got an outdoor learning course coming up starting in March is on there. The ECT weekends, at the moment, the model is that they work for a group of ECTs who come via a mat or, you know, a local authority or something like that. So we haven't invented a model for a kind of open version of that at the moment. But, you know, if I'd had a dozen people said, okay, I'm game and my, you know, my school are up for paying for it, because that's the other, I'm also looking for funding to make it available for free as well. Um, is another on my to-do list at the moment. Um, so, yeah, t- talk to us, give us a shout on Twitter, um, tell us what could work for you, um, tell us if you use any of our resources and what you find useful and what you find more of. We don't, we, we don't have loads and loads of resources and we definitely want to produce more. And we're going to be launching in... Um, we've got a couple of things coming up. So in... You might know that there's a bit of a snazzy coronation coming up in May. Um, and our Eden colleagues who run the big lunch um, have commissioned us to write some learning resources um, linked to the coronation. So we've got some really lovely new activities coming up involving making some crowns. So you can invite all the wild things to your big lunch. 
uh, and a lovely um, celebrating your local community thrones project as well. So that's coming up. And I'm also working with our other internal colleagues who run a thing called the National Wildflower Centre here at the Eden Project. And we're going to be producing um, a set of resources and um, the opportunity to get some expert help and some seeds um, so that schools can start to develop their own little biodiversity jungles of wildflowers in their school grounds as well. So that's going to be coming up um, probably summer that will go live. And that's such a nice, easy thing you can do with your class that really does help the environment as well, planting wildflowers. This has been such a nice interview, Sam. It's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. And I hope some ECTs do get in touch with you and find out more. And if if you're listening to this and you're interested in teaching um, your, your class about the environment, about sustainability, and you have some good ideas of how to do it that you'd like to share, please do get in touch with us and and let us know what you've been up to. And I think we'll just finish with Ashley reminding you how you can get in touch with us. Thank you again, Sam. Yeah, thank you, Sam. Honestly, it's been so engaging just listening to you and all the stories and projects that you've got going on. It is absolutely amazing. So if you do want to get in contact with us, you can go on to Facebook at our two pages, which are Twinkle Training Teachers and the Twinkle ECTs and NQTs. Our two community groups on Facebook are the Twinkle Training Teachers Group and the Twinkle ECT and NQT Support Group. We're on Instagram at Twinkle Training Teachers. We're on TikTok at Twinkle Training Teachers and we're on Twitter at Trainee Twinkle. And can you just remind us, Sam, what your Twitter handle was? At Eden Schools Team. Perfect. And this podcast is going to go out onto all of your favourite streaming softwares such as Spotify and Apple Music.